Yeah, that's a really good question. And what I kind of mean by that, like, just I'll answer your question, but what I kind of meant by that too is that when I wasn't loving myself, I realized like I wasn't showing others the love that they deserve. Like, I was kind of, I wasn't a mean person, but I wasn't necessarily like, um, if I came off a little like mean or something, it was more like because I didn't feel well on the inside, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't feel well about myself. So then that kind of reflected on how I treated others as well. Deirdre Walsh, welcome to the Orange Therapy Podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? We are good. good. It is a Friday afternoon and we are at quote unquote work because we work virtually. (laughs) Exactly. And we're stoked to talk to you because it's been a long time coming. Uh, yes, I'm so excited uh, to do this. So, are you at work right now? Are you like hiding out in the closet somewhere? Um, so I'm at home. I'm hiding <laughs> from my corgis. I have three of them, and hoping that none of them bark while I'm on the phone. So <laughs> that's okay. We've got um, we've got Christian's assistant Katie sitting here too. She may bark. So, um, Rhea, you mentioned this is a long time coming. Mm-hmm. What, what is the story behind that? Yeah. So when we first started our, our podcast and we started our Instagram account and everything, you were one of the first people that I actually started following. And I, I think that your story, just what you put out there, and um, I'll let you tell it, but um, is just awesome. For, and it's brave as a girl. You post a lot of pictures where I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> that's, that's transparent. But I know that it keeps you kind of going and motivated, which is good. But yeah, it's been a long time. And then we connected. And it just kind of happened that this was the first opportunity that we got to actually talk to you. So, um, Deirdre, before you tell us a little bit about yourself, can you be honest with us and tell us like how much Rhea freaked you out in the beginning <laughs> by DMing you? Oh, I mean, I was excited and wanted to do it for sure. I was just like trying to find the time that coordinated with you guys. And, um, yeah. And I guess just sharing like my whole story, which obviously I did, you know, with a magazine. So I guess now it's not that big of a deal, but, um, <laughs> So, but I was still excited to, you know, share my story with the rest of the people that haven't heard it yet. So, yeah. And so the story that you were talking about is in, um, is in women's health and it's pretty, um, it's pretty in depth, a good backstory. Um, but why don't you kind of summarize, summarize your, your two minute ish origin story and how you, how you kind of connected with Orange Theory. Um, so I was kind of in a, down um hill spiral with just my mental health in general and then physical health um I worked lots of long hours as a nurse I still do but um I was a night nurse at that time and just was not taking very good care of myself um instead of like working out and eating healthy um I would opt for you know fast food uh sleeping a lot when I could um and just not uh, taking the initiative to take care of myself physically or mentally. Um, so a good friend of mine told me about Orange Theory. And at the time, I hadn't been to a gym in probably three years. So um, it was very scary to go for the first time. I actually canceled my class three times 
just because I was like so scared to show up. <laughs> um, did you? Really yeah, I I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I'm probably gonna do it a lot because yeah. I get like crazy curious. Okay. On the the women's health article, which actually, for anyone who is driving or taking notes or whatever, uh, if you just Google, um, I lost 85 pounds after falling in love with Orange Theory Fitness. Um, it's subtitled. I went from walking an 18 minute mile to running an eight minute mile. I'm sure if you do anything right there, you'll find or find it um, and. Deirdre Walsh is D-E-I-R-D-R-E. So uh, if you Google that, because you're, you know, you're, um, you're not in a place where you can write or anything like that, that's how you'll find it. But um, Deirdre, in the in the article, you did mention about how you canceled three times on the free class because you were, um, I think, I think the word you used was scared. Um, what, what what was going on? Like, why were you scared to kind of walk in there? What was intimidating? So um, what was intimidating to me is just because of my past experiences with gyms and group fitness. Um, I was just scared that I was going to show up and be, you know, like the slowest one there, the one that needed all the modifications or just, I don't know. I just felt like I would be judged. Um, But Orange Theory, like, is the first place that I've ever went where I didn't experience any of that at all, even if I was the heaviest person there when I first started. Um, I walked in and I was greeted with smiles and, um, you know, the coach showed me the treadmill, the rower, um, and, you know, every class they demonstrate the exercises. And if you need modifications that day, like it's not that big of a deal. So to me, it was just such a welcoming atmosphere, but, um, with my past experiences, I was just so scared of like starting all over, um, you know, that like setback, um, that when I you had say past experiences, you mean like working out experiences at other studios or what, what exactly? Um, not with like orange theory studios, but just, I had been members of, I'd have been a member of, um, other gyms mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it be box gyms or, um, I did a couple of boxing kind of studios and stuff like that. So, you mean yeah. boxing, like like fighting, like learning how to fight? <laughs> yeah. Kind of. What do you what are you laughing at? <laughs> I don't know. Does that seem weird that I would do that? But <laughs> she's um, like, I don't know, Christian F you. It's a boxing gym. <laughs> um, gotcha. Uh, and so one of the things that that stood out to me too when I was doing research. Um, in, in the beginning of the article, you said you had like an unhealthy relationship with food because um, you were using it as more like a, a coping mechanism. You know? But you talked about that like as a as a kid. Was that still going on at the at the time? Yeah. So um, all my life growing up, and it's pretty personal. But like, I grew up with four brothers, and it was great. But like, even the family dynamic I had growing up wasn't the best. And when we were younger, like, you know, you get picked on by each other, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I was the only girl. So my brothers kind of like picked on me when I was younger and would call me fat and stuff. <laughs> Looking back on it though, I really wasn't. Um, <laughs> and, um, but like my parents didn't buy us like any, you know, sugary drinks or anything like that. So when we did get them, it was very far and few between. And, you know, I feel like those, that can be good, but also kind of bad because then when I would get it, I would be like, oh my gosh, I have never had this before. Or, um, 
you know, so I'm going to drink like five or something like that. So, and then, yeah, just, I went to college and, um, then you're kind of even in a different kind of atmosphere. And I was in a sorority, which was amazing. And what sorority were you in? Um, Willard, it's a local sorority, the largest local sorority, Willard. Okay. The largest local sorority in the United States. So it was a great like sisterhood and stuff. But again, you just kind of feel the pressure to like look perfect, be perfect, stuff like that. So I kind of went through some phases of like over-exercising, starving myself, um, stuff like that to try to fit into what I thought would be everyone's like ideal, you know, person. (laughs) Um, And then I went through nursing school and gained all that weight back plus some um, because um, of the stress of nursing school, I would just like not make, not prep foods, not make foods. I would eat out a lot, um, bring Chinese food home a lot, have Chinese leftovers a lot. I think that's what like Um, every college person does. I know. I I did that too. I I remember It's all I could like afford too. So, and then something just dawned on me, like as I was working as a nurse, and because I worked at, on a stroke unit at the time and, you know, part of the um, risk factors for having a stroke is um, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, stuff like that and obesity. So I just kind of felt hypocritical that we we're telling patients, you know, take care of yourself, make sure you're exercising, stuff like that. And I wasn't doing those things myself. Um so it was kind of like opening up my eyes uh, that I, you know, was not practicing what I preach, so to speak. So um, that along with I was battling months and months of bronchitis just from the extra weight on my chest um, that like n- no antibiotic or anything could get rid of completely. And my patients would ask me, like, when I coughed and stuff, like, if I was a smoker, too, or, you know, some, something like along those lines. So I just knew I had to do something for my health. Yeah, it's hard to – so I work in healthcare, too. It's hard to be, um, hard to be around the patient when, you're, when you're, you're not, you know, the healthiest version of yourself, too, giving that feedback. Yeah. So it was about, um, I was stalking your uh, Instagram, I do most people. And so I saw your first post of your first uh, class that you took, which was in July of 2017. And so you had canceled a couple times up until then, but then that first class and you posted that it was amazing and that you're going to be back. And now you're an Orange Theory ambassador. So um, between then and now, like what, first of all, what's an Orange Theory am- ambassador? Is that official or is that, is that like what you call yourself? Because you just love it so much. Um, so an Orange Theory ambassador, I, I didn't make up the name myself. Um, only a few, I mean, select videos have it. But basically it's not really about being like the fittest or the strongest person or anything like that. It's just more about loving the Orange Theory community, being a part, like kind of showing that Orange Theory glow to others, you know. Um, I think I've referred over 90 plus people. Oh my gosh. Just, my outreach has been a lot, especially over the last like six to nine months. So um, all over when the you, US. When you say your outreach, like you're just focused on like the local Omaha area or, or, is, or are you doing um, things like nationally? Well, since my article came out in July, 
this last July. Um, I have gotten quite a few messages that people have joined because of that article and stuff like that, which has been great. But before that, it was um, just mainly in the Omaha area. We do have five uh, local studios here. So, well, how, how did the um, talk to us about how the, the article came about? How did how did that get on your radar? Um, so that was kind of one of the coolest experiences, um, but kind of just, I don't know, it just came out of the blue. So, uh, you know how you use hashtags and stuff on Instagram? I only used hashtags just to, um, when my, you know, I would sometimes have my Instagram set as public, sometimes as private, um, throughout my journey, because really when I first started posting stuff, it was just for myself because I needed to be accountable, but also kind of have an audience out there that said, you know, that just was there to help me keep me accountable, I guess. Yeah, supportive. Um, Yeah, exactly. And, um, but once I realized like, oh, I can have a lot more outreach and I was like so-called inspiring people, um, I just started using more hashtags and stuff like that. And, um, Apparently, and I only know this because this is that this is how she found me because um, I asked. <laughs> um, so a women's health magazine editor uh, reached out to me on Instagram and also emailed my OTS um, manager, my Orange Theory manager uh, at our studio, and just said, you know, uh, we want to interview her for. Um, an article about her orange theory journey, you know, that kind of thing. So it was very exciting. I didn't know what it would turn out to be, but um, I thought she did a good, uh, good job with the story. So. Yeah. The story, um, it's written really, really well. I think it, it, it kind of captures all of your, um, all of your ups and downs that you had kind of along the way and what, what brought you to that point. Um, so it's a it's a great article, and it also shows some progression pictures, which is crazy. And it also kind of came up again um, pretty recently. Um, you were one of forty nine, is that right? Um, that came back. Yeah, up one of fifty. Yeah, one of fifty. Okay, yeah. Um, Wait, what happened? Uh, at the start of the year, um, there they you know Women's Health put out just um, some inspiring stories for kind of kicking off a new year, new decade, um, and she was one of them again. Oh, okay. Yeah felt very um, fortunate because I feel like a lot of people have a similar story to mine and I didn't feel like my story was any more special than anyone else's. I just felt like, you know, very blessed that I had the opportunity to have that sort of opportunity, you know? So. Yeah, and after that magazine uh, article came out, how did your Instagram uh, following grow or, or did it after that point? Um, because you have a pretty large network now of people who are supportive and that's what you were kind of going for at the start. Um, and again, like you share a lot of pictures that, um, that are, you know, scary for girls to post. Yeah. So really like my following has grown quite a bit, but um, it's never really been about my following. Like, I mean, I'm sure. extremely grateful for anyone that like follows my journey and stuff like that. But I just realized that stuff like that really happens when you don't, when you're not so focused on like numbers and you're just more focused on being real with people. Mm-hmm. And 
and that's why I do share as much as I do is because, um, because people have similar stories, you know, people have similar struggles and we're all faced with a lot of difficulties in life that we don't normally share with others. Um, but I feel like I've been told before, like, oh, you're really relatable, um, and stuff like that. And that's why people appreciate what I share. So, um, you know, I'm not perfect. I do modify stuff and I, you know, it's just, it's just about being real and transparent. So, um, it's grown, my community on Instagram has grown a lot and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, and I will never take that for granted, but yeah. So. Deidre, on one of the posts in the article, and um, for everybody who wants to follow her on Instagram, it's de.dubs with two Bs, D-U-B-B-S. Uh, one of the pictures in there, it shows uh, split. And on the left side, it says focused on surviving and you're wearing a blue top. And then the bottom uh, says, or sorry, the right side says focused on thriving and you're holding up the pants that you don't fit in anymore. Part of the caption, you say the major difference between these two pictures, the girl on the left wasn't living. She was doing what she could do to survive. Now I'm truly living, loving myself and others and thriving on this journey. So my question to you is, is actually, can, can you describe for people what it's like in the dip? Like, you know, that area between surviving and thriving? Because I think that's where most people lose their, their focus on whatever they're doing, whether it's Orange Theory or, you know, eating habits, whatever it is. Like, how did you stay focused in that dip? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And what I kind of mean by that, like, just I'll answer your question, but what I kind of meant by that too is that when I wasn't loving myself, I realized like I wasn't showing others the love that they deserve. Like I was kind of, I wasn't a mean person, but I wasn't necessarily like, um, if I came off a little like mean or something, it was more like, because I didn't feel well on the inside, if that makes sense. Like I didn't feel well about myself. So then that kind of reflected on how I treated others as well. But how I kind of have focused and, um, stayed accountable and stuff is, I mean, through kind of the community that I have at Orange Theory and um, and that I've built on Instagram and stuff like that, I still will continue to share, like, updates about my journey and stuff because it helps keep me accountable. And it's like, you know, now people are watching me. So now they're going to um, be seeing, like, what my next move is and stuff like that. Um, but really, I think there were ups and downs and struggles and, you know, good days and bad days, but, um, you know, I just, the continued of just keep it, keep on keeping on stuff like that, um, kind of got me through it. And, and so you have this, um, this kind of online community that's hearts and thumbs up and, you know, um, telling you in your DMS and things, how awesome you are, myself included. Um, but how about support at home? So you're married, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> yep. And so, um, along your journey and as you kind of trans kind of transitioned, um, how is Nick supporting you? How'd you know his name? Because I stalk. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. That's super stalkerish. Um, it is stalkerish, but, but yep. <laughs> yep. So we're gonna deal I, get it, with? I get it honestly. <laughs> Everybody thinks I'm the bad guy in this threesome. <laughs> um, 
that's a good question. So we like, we, um, work out together sometimes. So like I go to his box gym once in a blue moon and stuff like that. Otherwise we go on a lot of just family walks with the dogs. Um, stuff we didn't do before that we're not able to, like we, Omaha has one of the world's largest zoos. Um, so, you know, we're able to like go there. We have a yearly pass and just walk the entire zoo, um, which we hadn't been able to do in the past. And, um, I'm usually the one that meal preps, but sometimes he'll meal prep for me if he knows that I'm working like extra hours that week. Um, so yeah, his support and he's always like loved that I love orange theory. So even if it like cost me a lot of money, he would still be like, do whatever makes you happy. Um, kind of thing. So he knows that it makes me happy. And, um, he's kind of made jokes about <laughs> orange theory, like, love my love for orange theory being greater than my love for him but that's not true <laughs> so um when you guys you are at the zoo much. what's your favorite animal there what's the omaha zoo got that's that's cool oh gosh we have so many animals i would say that i love the all the cats like you know mm-hmm. um tigers and stuff um rhinos like i don't know we have just so much i love the all the girls and the monkeys but <laughs> yeah so is there any is there anything he jokes about with you now that like maybe he didn't before? Um, no, and really like he's it's never been about like he's happy for me that I've transformed, but um really it's been like he loved me at my heaviest, you know? Like I've never done this for, I didn't do this for him, like I did it for me, and he knows that and he's never pressured me to look any sort of way. Um so I've been very fortunate in that too. So really like you know, if I'm having some like bad days, cause we all have those days where we're like more bloated than others. Um, he always like assures me, like when I'm trying to like hate talk myself, he's like, no, you're beautiful. And like stuff like that. So I'm just very fortunate that he's never, um, forced me to look any sort of way. How long, how long have y'all been together? Um, over eight years together and five and a half years married. Wow. So Deidre, there's, um, there's a, some information in the article where you talk about, um, and Christian asked earlier about surviving versus thriving. And then you're also pretty open and honest about um, kind of some mental health, which we, uh, we talk about on the show a lot. And then also just sort of in life for us, how does that help kind of your mental capacity? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So I kind of recently re-realized this, that orange theory, even the days that I can't physically push myself the hardest, like if I'm, you know, my back's hurting or something like that, um, that I do still need to show up because 90% of it, maybe even more, maybe some days less, but a large percent of it, um, helps my mental health, like just showing up and being there. Um, people think it's crazy that I work out at 5 a.m. before a 12 to 13 hour shift, but really like that's the best way to start my day because um, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. It helps me get into a more positive mindset. Um, it's not that I like necessarily, um, you know, had the best workout effort. Um, it's not that I like <laughs> did my best or anything like that. It's, even if I don't do my best, like, I'm still glad that I showed up for myself. Um, so I just mentally feel better, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is, is Nick waking up to work out early, too? <laughs> he has been lately, yeah. 
So that kind of helps. Is that because y'all were like fighting about when you wake up? Because I always joke with my wife about that. I'm like, you're a slacker. You don't get up <laughs> until like seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, he works sure in she town loves now. That, by the way. So yeah, we we both um, generally are early wakers, um, and even if I have to like get up early for work and he doesn't like for example on the weekends and he'll get up and work out and then um stuff like that so especially for you as so you're a NICU nurse um so you're dealing with with sick sick little babies um and so that's that's got to take just a mental toll in general and and you know getting up early and getting some time for yourself um I assume also helps with your just with your work life yeah, and I kind of realized, like, today as I was working out, I made sure not to um, bring my phone with me. Because sometimes, like, I put it in my pocket. I know some studios absolutely don't allow it in the studio, but um, sometimes I have it in my pocket because I'm just on call all the time um, for work or just in general. Sometimes I've just been having, like, an anxiety lately to have my phone on me at all times. So, um, but today I didn't, and it just felt so freeing, and, like, I was able to just focus on myself and like it was that you know time that I had for me and I was like oh I need to start doing this more often you know and um but yeah I kind of had a realization lately that even if I can't show up to physically do my best I still need to show up just for my mental sanity you were talking you were talking about how it changed your outlook professionally like did you did you notice like with your patients that you were you know you 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 treat them differently based based off the amount of weight you've lost and just how you feel better internally um i don't wouldn't say like i treat anyone or at least my patients differently um but like mentally like i would just have kind of a sharper thinking skills and stuff like that um okay. by working out in the morning and I mean, maybe in general, like my interactions with people would be nicer because like when you feel good about yourself, you generally treat others well too. Um, and I do believe like happiness comes from within. You can't make other people happy, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I do, I kind of feel like when I, you know, happiness is a snowball effect too. So like if you're not feeling your best um, or being your best self, that can have a reflection on, um, others around you as well. So, so, um, one thing when I was reading the article that really intrigued me was when you talk about your career, uh, in the NICU. So I actually dated a woman for a while who wanted to be a neonatologist. Um, and she actually is one now, but she would always talk about, um, it being a dream career, and it, just, it sounded terrible to me because you're dealing with, um, you know, little premature babies that may not make it and dealing with the parents to me seems like it would be crazy. Like, but you said dream career, like, why is it a dream career? Like, how long did you know you wanted to do that? Well, um, I actually didn't realize I wanted to take care of babies until a few years after taking care of adult patients, actually like 10 years of taking care of adult patients. Um, so you just wanted to be with somebody who can't talk. Is that like the deal? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I absolutely loved the geriatric population too. It was just, there's very high burnout in nursing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of knew I needed something different. 
So I job shadowed um, in our NICU that I work in now and absolutely like fell in love with it um, just because it was everything that I realized that I wanted as a nurse, like in the adult population medical field, it's a lot of task orientation and like, mm-hmm. you know, getting medications and a lot of adrenaline um, rush, which is also in the NICU, but just very task oriented as a new nurse, you know? Um, and when I switched over to the NICU, the huge change for me, which I absolutely love is forming relationships with the parents of the babies that you take care of. Um, Do they come back and see you sometimes? And yeah, like, so we keep in touch and stuff like that. Like families can choose to keep in touch with you, but every shift that you show up to, um, you're likely to get that baby back that you normally take care of. So you could just kind of have this, the parents trust you, um, you know, the baby, cause every baby is different. Um, the babies have that consistency of having that same nurse. So it's just like everything that I wanted to be as a nurse is right in the NICU, like forming those relationships, seeing the reward of your patient growing, you know, as they should, which not always happens as you know, but um, for the most part getting better and then eventually going home. And then what's different is that, yeah, the parents in the NICU can uh, choose to keep in touch with you if they want. And, um, I've been invited to several birthday parties and stuff of babies I've taken care of. So it's just super rewarding, you know? Yeah. Y'all are, y'all are like special people. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're crazy for being up at 5am. I think you're crazy for being a Nikki <laughs> nurse, but just cause I think it's so incredible that you're able to do that. Maria mm-hmm. uh, might be good at it though. She loves taking care of kids and then dropping them off for people to I deal do. with. So. If I don't have to own the kid, <laughs> I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a dog mom. So you you have um, three corgis you mentioned at the beginning. So you've got Stanley, Maggie, and Gus, and they have their own Instagram page. She is doing way too much stalking. <laughs> I didn't know your effing dog's names. No offense. It was on her Christmas card. Did you not get one? You got a Christmas card for her? No. Oh. <laughs> but I saw it. Oh. Yeah. So you saw it or you stalked her house, I, stole it out of her mailbox. Pretty what much. Did you do? Pretty much. So, so how come three dogs, how'd they come around and like, why corgis? Um, okay. <laughs> I love this question because <laughs> when I was growing, when I was growing up, we grew up on a farm, kind of, sort of, um, in a, like a real small community, but, uh, we had tons of animals and including inside animals. And I always wanted, my mom had a corgi, but I always wanted a pig and, <laughs> like that lived inside mm-hmm. um, but my parents of course didn't want to give me one um but then um I had a corgi he kind of um just showed up one day on our doorstep from a family friend that kind of stole him from the neighbors of hers that were treating him poorly and yeah. um yeah and his name was Stuart and he grew up with me for 12 years before he passed away um so I had him most of my life. And well, have kind of like um, little pig butts. They're little yeah. funny butts. And he's kind of like, I mean, they resemble pigs kind of. So, so it, it was a good um, <laughs> it was a good substitution for a pig, I think. But 
Um, so um, when we moved to Omaha, where I live now, um, Stuart moved with us. And then along came Maggie and Gus. We adopted them from a family who just, um, they didn't really give a reason, but they were already kind of older and um, the dogs were, and they just couldn't, um, didn't have time for them anymore. So they're just looking for a home to take them both. And then Stuart passed away. And then um, a few months later, we adopted Stanley, who needed rehomed. And he was only seven months old at the time. So that's how we got three. So, yeah. That's very different than how you got Kirby, Rhea. I know. (laughs) So I have two of the same kind of dogs, too. Well, I don't have corgis, but I had kind of a crazy dog mom story. But I had a black and white Shih Tzu that I got in college. And when he, we had to say goodbye to him. Um, and then two weeks later, I came home in an Uber and she actually passed my house and kind of turned around in the cul-de-sac. And as her lights came around the front of my house, there was a black and white Shih Tzu sitting on my curb and, um, I couldn't find his parents and he was kind of in a, in a bad way, but yeah, he's my dog now. His name's Kirby because he was found on the curb. <laughs> More impressive is that she remembers her Uber driver's name. Her name was Rashida. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I actually, I, I pulled up my old Uber records and I was like, am I making this up? And I'm like, nope. Her name was for sure Rashida. Wow. Rhea's in the wrong damn career. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I'm really sad about her future husband because if he forgets anything, he is screwed. <laughs> um, last point I wanted to cover on your, your journey, Deirdre, is you, you talk a little bit, which I totally believe in. Um, you talk a lot about the process and you talk about lifestyle shift as opposed to arbitrary numbers. Can you give um, the audience a little bit of insight on what you mean by that? Yeah. So I feel like, um, as a society, you know, we're always focused on numbers, whether it's our bank accounts or what we weigh, stuff like that. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, especially as people like our diet culture is so focused on, um, losing weight, losing weight fast and this and that, but I mean, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but, um, um, that I might get hate for, but I do not believe that it's okay or good beneficial in any way to lose weight fast. Um, in my personal experience, whenever I've lost weight, quote unquote fast, I've also regained it just as back just as fast. Mm -hmm. Um, when I've stopped doing that, you know, whatever change I was doing. So unless something like, for example, keto or something is going to be what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, then I don't believe in diets, which again, I'll probably get hate for, for saying hashtag that. shade. Um, <laughs> I know. Right? Everybody's going to cancel D doves. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like you just gotta do you. And I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't believe in it. So, um, and it's really based on personal experience, but also, you know, what I've seen from others and stuff and just being around the diet culture for so long. This lifestyle change, um, you know, like I do count calories or, you know, some days I don't, but it's more of like just being aware of what I'm eating and how much um, I don't deprive myself. I don't believe in depriving yourself because, again, based on experiences, um, 
when those times that I have deprived myself, the next time that I allow myself to have something like that, you know, I overeat or I'll bench and, um, it just doesn't end well. (laughs) Yeah. It's like those sugary, sugary drinks that you got as a kid. Yes, exactly. So it just, um, you know, so if I, if I want something, I have it. I'm just honest with myself about, um, what I track and what I eat and obviously making sure I don't, um, overdo it. And, um, I, yeah, I just make it more of a, uh, something that I can sustain for the rest of my life because I've tried a bunch of those different, you know, fads like intermittent fasting and keto and stuff like that. I've tried them for short periods of time. Um, and they just haven't been successful for me because I realized this isn't what I want to eat for the rest of my life. Or, you know, like I want to be able to, someone reached out to me on Instagram the other day and she was like, what do you think about the people that say that fruit is so high in carbs and that they won't eat it and stuff like that. And I'm like, it was straight up with her. And I was like, that's BS for one, you know, (laughs) I was like, um, you need to allow fruit in your diet for those essential, um, it's scurvy. scurvy. That's why I have mimosas. <laughs> That's why I drink all day. So that way I slowly don't binge. I have, I can incorporate some, um, some vitamin C from orange juice. Right. Yeah. I eat, I eat a grapefruit every single morning. Cause she was like, you know, what, how many times do you eat fruit and vegetables a day and stuff like that? Um, but yeah, so I was just kind of like, straight up with her and and I'll always be honest with people so um yeah I I just wanted something that you know I'll do for the rest of my life and that you know even as um my life changes I can incorporate you know a healthy lifestyle so, yeah. Well, in terms of your numbers, you have at the top of your Instagram page, um, basically your start weight and then um, you're down 85 pounds and then it has a goal weight and your goal weight is just listed as um, like the arm that's flexing, which I really like. So it's not the number. It is just totally feeling strong, right? Yeah. I feel best when I'm feeling my strongest. I think I've said that in the Instagram post before and it's truly like, it's really true. Like it's not about, you know, the days that I, it's about feeling mentally and physically strong. It's not about, um, you know, Oh, I weighed myself this morning and I was up two pounds from the Mm -hmm. salt intake I had, you know, I, I tend to stay away from the scale now just because, and not like permanently or anything like that, because that's actually led to bad behaviors too. Um, but just, I don't weigh myself frequently like I did in college or anything like that, because I mean, there's no reason to, it's data. It's just a number. It's going to change. Like a it's mental toll on you. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, there's no reason to get upset by it because um, it could change based on your water intake, you know, by just, a number of different things, how much you slept or didn't sleep. Um, so really there's no reason that um, I need to have that mental, you know, struggle with myself anymore. Rhea, she just gave you permission to get off Project Inferno. <laughs> you can start drinking again. Do you want to know while, <laughs> while we've been sitting here? So teacher, I'm on, I'm on, I have um, Project Inferno and I'm working with a guy. Um, he does like bodybuilding uh, stuff. 
Guy, and, guy is a very friendly. Uh, <laughs> he looks adjective. like he ate another person. He's enormous, um, and but like muscular, enormous. And so he texted me. He was like, "I haven't gotten your way in while we've been talking." So. <laughs> Is that what just popped up on your Apple Watch? It was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While we're talking, so how about... Deirdre, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we uh, get into all-out Q&A is actually the Q&A that's on your Instagram. I started going through the stories of the... Like, you do Q&A on on Instagram, too, if people ask you. What is the craziest thing somebody's asked you and you're like, I'm not answering that? Uh, The craziest thing anyone's asked me? That stands out in your head like, and you're just like, man, this person's Instagram. weird. I'm not answering that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing like that I'll not answer or, or block, because usually I'm really personal with people, like I'll answer all their messages, even if it's like a personal question that I wouldn't normally post about. I mean, all you know the what questions I mean? got to be pretty personal though, right? I mean, you're doing all this <laughs> yeah. pictures of yourself, like um, before and after shots and all that. I would imagine just about every question is personal. Yeah, so the only questions I, like, don't answer and automatically delete <laughs> are um, just people selling me stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I'm all about entrepreneurship and um, small businesses. I actually used to do something like that, um, but at the same time, I also, like, it's just kind of weird to me, um, <laughs> and you almost kind of feel like taken advantage of when you're What are they selling you? Not, Oh, people just trying to like, sometimes it's fitness stuff and sometimes it's not even fitness stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it just so happens. The reason we're doing this podcast (laughs) is because we want to invite you to sign up for our pyramid scheme. So (laughs) our pyramid scheme is the, uh, is the the feedback that you get from your monitor. Exactly. That's pyramid scheme. So I love it. Gotcha. Um, Maria, do you have any other questions before we get into the last segment? No. Oh, real quick. You said that you moved to Omaha. Where are you from originally? Fullerton, Nebraska. Uh, for for reference, <laughs> like how far away is? <laughs> so it's two hours away. And okay. it's a town of like 900 people, mostly cows, more cows than people by far. Um, <laughs> and not enough pigs. <laughs> And not enough pigs. And I mean, for reference, they just got paid the pump gas like 18 months ago. Wow. So <laughs> maybe less than that. Christian, um, have you ever been to Omaha? I've been actually because LSU's in the College World Series almost like every year. I get invited to Omaha just mm-hmm. about every year, and I have not been. And it's also like a secret little startup capital. Um, there's a lot of startup businesses in Omaha, mm-hmm. so I am anxious to go. Yeah. The only reason I've been, I've been to Omaha a couple of times that I went to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, annual meeting. Damn, yeah. how many yeah. shares you got? Mm-hmm. Those things are like 300 grand a pop. Look at Rhea, man. She's, mm-hmm. she's you can call her daddy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you guys have a hard time, uh, that weekend getting a dinner reservation anywhere. Deirdre, all right. Last part is called All Out Q&A. Meant to be quick answers on these questions. Ready to roll? Yeah. What scares you about getting older? Oh, my gosh. Um, I was just talking about this the other day. Um, so my, like, worst fear in life 
is because my, my vision is like not the greatest. I'm, I'm, I want to do like LASIK or something very soon, but um, when you say your vision's not good, like give us perspective. Is it like you don't know when somebody's in front of you, or is it just like you need glasses to? <laughs> um, like I have really bad astigmatism, and got it. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, I have bad vision in general, but if I wasn't wearing my contacts or glasses, yeah, for sure, I couldn't see anyone in front of me. Um, Before you were but, married, did you ever like go on a date and be like, oh my God, I love this person. And then like a week later you put on glasses <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, I've got to get out of this. <laughs> I've worn glasses since like third grade. So. Oh, okay. No. Never mind. Dumb question. It was really <laughs> no, that's okay. before, and you ruined it. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so yeah, I just think like losing my vision was, would be like my top fear in life. Um, <laughs> you know, if that was something that would happen over like something physical, I guess. Um, but yeah, my hope is just to stay like as physically healthy as possible. Um, and at least do some sort of exercise, even if it's walking every day. Um, keep knocking out those marathons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Deidre, who's a mentor you have that probably doesn't know it. Yeah, no. So their names are Lori and Cindy. Um, I just and look up their coaches at, just, at the studio you go to. Yeah. Got I mean, it. and they're just like, like great moms and great wives. And, you know, like they're just everything that I hope to be. And like, um, and not necessarily because of their physique or anything like that. It's just, um, the values that they embody and, um, just the role models that they are to other people. Got it. What's your, uh, what, what is your favorite thing to eat or drink that you probably shouldn't? <laughs> um, <laughs> so tacos. Um, it, are you, are you more like, an, are that bad. no, are you more like a, are you hard shell or soft? So <laughs> I eat my tacos. <gasps> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hold, on, sorry. Hold, on. hold on one second. Sorry. Sorry. A random black man just came in and my dog freaked out. <laughs> Um, it's Trey. He made it. <laughs> Yay. So random I love it. Maybe I should keep very, that in the show. <laughs> we said at the very beginning, we hope that Katie doesn't bark in, in there. <laughs> well, that's there. okay. Mine are still, I'm still high. Say hi, Trey. So. Hello, gorgeous. How are you? <laughs> oh. I'm giving you my deep, sultry voice. <laughs> now, you see, if I said I that, she'd call the cops on me and they'd she be here be. to arrest me. That's the difference between you and I. But your Asian ass comes in here and everything's okay. <laughs> He's on his knees. Uh, Shut Trey. Up. <laughs> We're almost done. Trey, uh, sorry, Deidre. Uh, so you're about to enter. Wait, no, I asked a question. He was, she was answering. Yeah. Oh, you were talking so, about tacos. Yeah, taco. So I actually eat mine on lettuce, which is kind of cheating. However, then I have queso and chips, which is gotta make up for it. Because, I don't know. I know. Like, actual meat, or are you eating tofu on it? Shrimp. Oh, okay. You kind of like shrimp. you're you're a tw- you're a tweener. Um, <laughs> Deidre, what you're about to enter one of your marathons? You you're putting into practice what you're learning in Orange Theory, and you walk up to the starting line. Uh, what is your intro song going to be? What is my what? Your intro song. Like intro music oh. to pump you up. Ooh, um, Eminem. Like anything by Eminem. 
Okay, I like you. I was gonna say, Christian, you're a fan. If you could write one, <laughs> if you could write one thing on a billboard in Times Square or downtown Omaha, what would it be? I think something I say a lot is like progress over perfection, or like progress isn't linear, or something like that. I have. There's one that's up actually. And can I can I tell you one that you have? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the difference between your dreams and reality is called action. I like that. Yeah. I love that one. Love too. that one. Just, yeah. yeah. I'm just taking over for you. Rhea says, I'm going to tell you what you think. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. uh, again, your poor future husband, Rhea. I'm going to tell you what you think, and I'm going to remember everything about you. Deidre, <laughs> what, is a blind, uh, what is a blind spot that you had in your 20s that you clearly see now? I mean, I'm still in my 20s. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what is a blind spot you had in your early 11s <laughs> that you could see now, you young, young little whippersnapper? Um, I'm clearly in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> she, no, she just said, I see clearly in my 20s. Well, I mean, like, I kind of went through a phase where, like, I don't want kids, you know, like, all of that kind of thing. And then, I don't know, I just, like, changed and matured and... um our marriage is good and like stuff like that. Just everything has fallen into place. Our careers are good. It's like, now it's just like, okay, like I'm ready for kids, you know, just something like that. I don't know if that's FYI, the You're, you're but... never ready for kids. So I'm just preparing <laughs> you for it. You're never effing ready. <laughs> Deidre, run, row, or lift. Which do you loathe? Oh gosh. Um, I love lifting. Love running. I would say rowing for sure, just because it took me forever to figure out the form. And some days I'm, my form's not that great still. So, um, but I really liked how in December that we focused on like lower or yeah, lowering our stroke rate. So I kind of feel like that helped a lot. Joniak. Um, so, but I would still say rowing it like sucks still, but I think it's done like the best for my body that like any other form of cardio has done. So Got it. Okay. And lastly, Deirdre, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God, Allah, or Tom Cruise say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Fulfilled my purpose, whatever that is. You know, that sounds really cheesy, but. <laughs> that you, but I'm sorry, um, you said you achieved your purpose? She started the purpose. Yeah, purpose. just like, because I'm all about, like, I feel like I was, you know, like we're all here for a reason. Um, I mean, I'm a, I've almost died a couple times, so. You Wait, know. what? Yeah, she had a you had a really bad ATV accident, right? Yes. I did yes. when I was like 15, I think. I'm glad you are alive. Me too. Thanks. <laughs> Christian? I still think you should I think write I've it. Said it. <laughs> I think you should still write a book. But that's just me. Deidre, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or try to sell you MLM products, <laughs> what's the best way for them to do that? Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> no, seriously. If somebody, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how should they do it? Is like Instagram best? Like, can they just hit you up on oh, yeah. dubs? Yep. Okay, cool. I don't really add like random people on Facebook, but obviously accepted Rhea's request. So. <laughs> oh, I'm aware that there's like, I don't, I don't even touch Instagram anymore. Everybody thinks Trey and I are predators. So. Excuse you. I get accepted. Well, you get accepted from other people, but I get accepted by no one. So anyway, well, I'm so happy that you followed me and, and let me 
follow you on Facebook because yes. I like I like all your stuff. Yes. Thank you. See, she I claims know. to be a stalker and that transparency and honesty paid off. It did. <laughs> Deidre Walsh, yeah, thank you so it. much for joining us on the Orange Therapy Podcast. Thank you for asking me and yeah, we'll keep in touch and um, thank you for everything you guys do. I'm dressed, ain't it? Khakis pressed, Nike shoes, crispy and fresh lace. So I guess it ain't that at the shave of cologne that made him just faint. Plus, I showed up with a coat, freshened in wet paint. So if love is a chess game, checkmate. But girl, your body's banging, jump me in, bang, bang, bang. Yes, sir, Bob. I was thinking the same thing. So come get on this kid's rock, Bob with the Bob, bang, bang. Pow, 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 I know that I don't know. Question is, are you both so smart enough to feel stupid? Hope so. Now hope. Take your shoes off. Let your head down. And styrofoam. All I knew was I fell asleep Then woke up in that Monte Carlo With the ugly Kardashian Lamar, oh sorry, yo, we done both set the bar low Bars are, drugs are, though that's the past But I done did enough coding and not future in it tomorrow And girl, I ain't got no money to borrow But I am trying to find a way to get you alone Oh no, oh Marshall Mathers, get out with the body now Get the bar so blathered Kangos and car heartless cargos Girl, you're fixing to get your heart broke Don't be absurd, man, you bird brain baby I ain't called anybody baby since bird man Unless you're a swallow <laughs> Word, Rick, word, man, you heard But don't get discouraged, girl, this is your time Unless you got told you Take your shoes off, let your head out All night long Pull your beard out, just spit out Shorts and not go for broke. Everybody, everybody, go for short.